being a teacher and a professor at a local community college, you know, I never thought that I would be one to become addicted to those uh, mm -mm. opioids. You are not alone, I'll support you through. You don't have to run, you can always overcome everything that you've been through. Share your story here and lay down your fears. We all hear your pain and there's only left to gain. You can get it all right here. Welcome to Good Things from the Couch. I am your host, Elizabeth Davies, and I am a mental health counselor and an author. And today I have a special guest with me, Jack, who first saw me for counseling back in 2016. At the time that he first saw me, he had been addicted to opioids for about 15 to 16 years. And I'm really excited to reconnect with him today and he can share his story of recovery that I think is very relevant due to the opioid epidemic we are having in America. Jack, welcome to the show. Morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being willing to be a guest today and share your story with us. You're more than welcome. Looking forward to it. I can't believe it's been more than uh, five years since you first saw me for counseling. Yes. Yep. It's been a long time. A lot of water's run under the bridge and... Uh, <laughs> a lot of good things have happened to me since I spoke to you. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm just uh, great to have the opportunity to sh share the uh, uh, my my story. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I know when I first saw you, you had told me you were worried because you had been addicted to opioids for about 15 to 16 years at the time. And interestingly enough, though, when you came to see me, your goal wasn't to get sober. Uh, your goal at that time was to rebuild trust in your marriage with your wife and to rebuild your self-esteem. So... Correct. Yes. So um, at that time, uh, you still thought, hey, look, I'm, I'm using these opioids. Specifically, you were on oxycodone, you were on apana. What other opioids were you taking at the time? Well, at the time, I was on the oxycodone, mm -hmm. oxycontin, mm -hmm. um, fentanyl patches. Mm -hmm. I mean, the array of all sorts of opo opioids that mm -hmm. I had been using it at mm -hmm various times mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we sh and we should probably let our listeners know what what started the use of opioids for you because I know you've had uh, at the time that you were seeing me I think you'd had about 28 surgeries and we know that's the number one thing that doctors after surgery will give you is typically opioids absolutely um, you know it was a, a number of activities that uh, enabled me to kind of get where I am to today. Um, they were motor, motocross riding, bull riding, uh, football, baseball, you name it, I was into it. And all of those were um, activities that led to my bodily injuries and surgeries after the fact. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one of the reasons that uh, kind of led me down that path was that you know, playing these activities and, and uh, just did not sit well with my body. No, because of a lot of the injuries. Like it's a high risk 
high, you know, high adrenaline activities that you're doing. Yes, absolutely. And in each and each of the activities I spoke about, you know, I always had to utilize my body because I was so small and, you know, not very heavy. I was probably 120 to 140 pounds while in high school. So that um, those high adrenaline activities had led me down that path there to a lot of injuries mm-hmm. and a lot mm-hmm. of surgeries following them. Mm-hmm. Is that what started you on the use of opioids? Uh, yes, I started with, uh, I believe it was my first, one of the first items was I had a, a wrist uh, fusion where I was jackhammering into a uh, wall here at my house and it uh, caught and twisted on my arm and, and, and snapped my wrist. So that was the first surgery that started. Mm-hmm. And from there on, 28 surgeries, anything mm-hmm. from uh, neck and, and uh, neck injuries. I had, uh, well, I'm working on number five, complete knee replacement mm-hmm. as we speak. So, mm-hmm. and I'll talk about that in a, in a minute. So. Mm-hmm. But if you do, you think that if you hadn't had any of the surgeries or the pain. Uh, from the surgeries you would have started on opioids? No, I really I really don't think that I would have mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in the 70s and, and I smoked a little bit of the, you know, marijuana. and, and But again, as I, you know, grew up and, and uh, became uh, a teacher, those are things that, you know, I had to let go of, you mm-hmm. know, growing mm-hmm. up. So... I had to, um, you know, I was in an environment where I had to be a role model. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I, you know, had I not had all those injuries, I probably would not have ever got um, involved with the opioids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is good, I think, for our listeners to know, Jack, because uh, back, you know, in the 90s, uh, when the pharmaceutical companies were telling the medical professionals that, hey, opioids aren't addictive lie, 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 (laughs) then the medical professionals somehow believed all of that and they were prescribing them in mass doses, which uh, caused, honestly, is a huge cause of the opioid epidemic we have in America today with over 10 million people abusing and misusing opioids in our country today. And over nine and a half million of those people that are, are abusing and misusing opioids in our country today are from prescriptions from doctors. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, mine started off with, you know, first surgery, they gave me an, uh, a prescription for, you know, 30, 30 oxycodones. And then mm-hmm. I just began to get that there was there was not really an effort to bring me off of those opioids mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, every, it was just here's your here's your prescription. Tell mm-hmm. me about it. Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. And mm-hmm. you know they were they were on to the next patient. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and you know being a teacher and a professor at a local community college, you know, I never thought that I would be one to become addicted to those uh, opioids. Mm-mm. But you know, uh, every time I had a surgery, I got another prescription. Mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. then after the surgery was done, it was more prescriptions. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was very, very hard for me to realize that I did have a problem. Right. Because how many people really think, like you go to the doctor, the doctor says, okay, take this medication after your surgery. You don't think like the doctor would be maliciously in any way, and they weren't, you know, prescribing you medication that's so addictive. I mean addictive within the first 30 days. And then, like you said, they don't say, okay, titrate off. I mean, how easy was it after you used the first 30 opioids from one surgery to go back and get 30 more and 30 more and 30 more and just get it refilled? How many refills were you allowed? Oh, I I mean, back when I was, you know, 16, let me see, uh, you know, 20, 25 years ago, it was just, you know, time after time you Mm -hmm. got a new prescription Mm -hmm. and you just went from one prescription to the next. Mm -hmm. Uh, They called, you know, they, I had what they called chronic pain Mm -hmm. and -hmm. I really did have chronic pain. And, you know, in my mind, I was justifying the use of opioids because I didn't want to be without them because I was very afraid of, of Mm -hmm. not being able to be, you know, have my, uh, opioids there so because of the pain when you go off of them right it's fear of being in pain a lot of times that's kind of what it turns into and then your body your brain is addicted to them you're physically addicted to them the withdrawal from opioids is super uncomfortable yes i mean most times they most times they'll tell you to get medical detox now i know today in 2021 that is not the case Today, with the new laws, because of the opioid epidemic, today they are saying, no, you can't have you know unlimited refills on your prescription. So today, now that you had the most recent surgery, what what is it like today in 2021? Did the doctor say, okay, no more refills after 30 days? What is what is it like today? You know, in today's society, uh, you know, with the opioid abuse, our doctors, at least my pain doctors, I've changed to a new pain doctor. He is, uh, again, building a relationship with me to find out where I have been mm-hmm. and, you know, where we're going after the fact. So mm-hmm. it's really uh, mm-hmm. highly regulated. Mm-hmm. You cannot mm-hmm. get anything more than a 30-day uh, fix or mm-hmm. 30-day mm-hmm. prescription. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, um, I've been having a lot of um, face-to-face over the my phone with my doctors and mm-hmm. they they have spoke to me about okay where are we going now instead mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. you know just giving me a prescription mm-hmm. they talk to me about all right let's uh let's utilize some other activities uh, and I'll, i think i'll t- we'll talk a little bit about those but mm-hmm. um non-opioid treatments yes 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 non-opioid mm-hmm. uh items that will help me you know using ice uh, essential oils mm-hmm. you know those types of uh, mm-hmm. items there mm-hmm. were there times over the years and the 15 to 16 years you were using opioids uh, that you weren't in pain but you just continued to use them now because of the dependency on them absolutely mm-hmm. yes that's exactly what would happen mm-hmm. you, you i got in in the mindset that I had to have those mm-hmm. uh, if I was going to work and you know my mind in my mind I felt that I was uh, not dependent but in reality I was very dependent upon mm-hmm. opioid use mm-hmm. yeah and that's the thing we don't know we're dependent right especially if we're getting the prescription from a doctor and yeah. and that's 
And that's another thing I want to say. Okay, so on the times that you weren't in pain, and yet you were still, where were you still able to get a prescription? Absolutely. I mean, you just go in there, they ask you, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's, you know, what's your pain level? Well, for me, I would say, well, I'm up there, you know, 7, 8, 9, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I, I can remember my wife looking at me and saying, you know, she'd kind of look at me like, you really don't think that you have a 8 or 9 pain right. level. Right. So, you know, that's some of the things that... That begin to happen in my relationship with my wife. As a patient, I get that mindset that, hey, it's coming from a doctor. It's right. got to be okay. Right. And your doctor, did you ever, like when you started counseling with me, and I certainly brought it to your attention when I did an assessment on what medication you're on, and I certainly, many times, <laughs> you probably remember this, talked about a medical detox and talked about, and your wife would come in with me, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your wife and her role in this too, because I think a lot of people that are addicted to pain meds, you know, are in a relationship too, and their partner is witnessing this, but um, I remember many times talking to you about detox, and even your wife being concerned like you're saying and at one time she had told me that I'm locking up his you know oxycodone and his prescription pills in a safe where he can't get to them and I'm monitoring him yes and just doling them out as prescribed otherwise you would have a tendency uh, like you said to misuse them oh yeah yep when you have a person your, your spouse or your partner you know, where they have to begin locking stuff up and, and you know, it's a problem there. Yeah. <laughs> so, but in my mind, my mind, I didn't feel that way. Right. You know? Today, today, are you sober today? Well, I, I am definitely sober. However, uh, I've had a, a series of four uh, knee operations yes. uh, just in the past month and a half. Mm -hmm. And I am going to have, continue to have those until I get free from the uh, uh, staph infection that I have. Yeah. And so what I'm doing with that is that, you know, my uh, pain management doctor has learned about my history mm -hmm. uh, through my wife and myself, and we've been trying to be upfront with everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had started with a 30 milligram oxycodone and worked my way down all the way into the 15th. So. Mm -hmm. he, my pain management doctor is very aware of my history and mm -hmm. has agreed to work with us on, you know, lowering down the uh, amount of opioid use that I'm uh, mm -hmm. that I'm currently using. So it's really been a good uh, for me. I have that better mindset of where I am now and where we want to go, mm -hmm. and I think I've done a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. I really do. I know mm -hmm. my wife is a lot happier. Um, I'm happier. Good. You know, I'm not having to worry about lying and cheating and mm -hmm. doing those types of things that mm -hmm. would enable me to get more pain yes. medication. So, yes. Yes. Okay. So about a year after I started seeing you, uh -huh. <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, I went into detox. Okay. And what and what was the catalyst for that? What was the catalyst for detox? Well. It was my family. My it was kind of an intervention type situation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know I I knew it was time for me to, you know, get clean and get on the right side. 
where I needed to be. Otherwise, I was going to lose my family. Both of my boys came. My wife came, showed up at a, a place of work where we were spraying at the time. And, you know, they kind of corralled me and said, hey, Dad, you know, it was very much like an intervention type of situation uh, that that I was put in mm-hmm. to, you know, hey, you got to do this or, you know, you're going to lose mom, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to lose your wife. Mm-hmm. So, and I definitely did not want to do that. Yes. That was yes. a, something that I definitely did not want to lose. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at that point in time, I, I went into detox and that was, you know, quite the ordeal in itself you know that i i thought in my mind well you know they're gonna you know they're going to slowly bring my dependents down mm-hmm. well in this situation that's not what they did they just uh got rid of all the opio- opioids and be- began me on a uh, path of getting off of them mm-hmm. getting off of the uh, addiction so what did they do for the withdrawal part? Did they give you any medication for the withdrawal? Yeah, they did. They started me with, uh, <clears throat> what's the name? Zubzol mm-hmm. is, is one of the medicines that they used. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it had a small amount of opioid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, would come out and kind of begin to, you know, they have ranges too, like a five. Mm-hmm five grams and you put it under your tongue and and so go from there from mm-hmm. five all the way down to i was on the 1.25 the mm-hmm. lowest level that you can get mm-hmm. or point one two five mm-hmm. so i really had uh titrated down myself down to uh, a you know a good level where i could go in and i i was still on the zubzol right up until my first surgery mm-hmm. so so from detox to your first surgery, how much time had gone by? So you were totally sober off all opioids from the detox. Then your first surgery was how long after that? About four years after that. Wow. So for four years, no opioids. Correct. Absolutely. What about the medical marijuana? And the reason that I bring that up is because, now this is back you know, in 2016 when, when you and I were uh, working together, when you were in counseling with me, but you had mentioned at the time, now you were still using the opioids, um, but you had said, hey, what you had added medical marijuana to it, medical marijuana gummies, I believe at the time, to sleep, if I remember yeah. correctly, yeah. And uh, now this is, the reason I bring this up is because so many people have asked me, me being in the addiction field, okay, uh, uh, don't you think it's better than since I'm going to go off opioids now that I can just switch to the medical marijuana? And I, I kind of have a little bit of a like, uh, like a little bit of <laughs> cautionary, like that's addictive too. Now, not addictive in the way that opioids are, like no one has died coming off of marijuana that we know. You can't really overdose on marijuana that we know of. You know, it's it's right. different. The withdrawals, it's not like like people literally die from opioid overuse yes, absolutely and they die coming off of that they're you know um it's a very dangerous uh you know and so is alcohol so in marijuana people are like oh it's not dangerous it's you know it's natural well yeah it is natural but 
the medical marijuana is, you know, manufactured and uh, the THC levels are added and different things. It's not like literally growing natural from the ground in its natural state. Uh, We know it has higher THC levels and things like this. Now we do know, you know, just like the brain has an opioid (coughs) receptor, which can make it addictive, it also has a a a cabinoid. Thank you. (laughs) Receptor. And it also can be addictive. Not as effective on pain either, I would say, from someone who's used opioids. Is that correct? Would you say that? That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, but I want you uh, to tell the listeners, because you you had used both, What what is your advice today when someone is saying, oh, you know, you're right, maybe I, you know, I'm overusing opioids and this is kind of dangerous, maybe I should switch to medical marijuana. What would you, what would your advice be today, since you had... Again, my... My advice on that is is that it will get you addicted. In mm-hmm. other words, mm-hmm. you know, pulling you in. And again, I think in, with everything, we have to understand our bodies yes, and yes. you know the whole concept of that. You know, a little bit is probably what you need to go through. Yes. Well, then your mind says, "Well, if a little bit's good, a lot would be better." So, yes. <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to be opioid free, and again. And still have you still have that uh, addiction yes. in your mind, yes. saying, "Hey, you know, mm-hmm. maybe this will take care of me, so I need a little more." So, mm-hmm. you know, I've had to be very, very uh, conscious of, you know, how much I'm taking mm-hmm. and the reason for them. I'm taking them. So you you went through detox. You were sober for four years. Then you have another surgery, and the doctors still don't know what else to give you besides opioids. Even though you've let them know that you've had a, a history of dependency on opioids, but what other medication are they to give you today? Like what medication are doctors supposed to give someone after surgery? That's a great question. There, you know, and again, each person is going to be different because of their, you know, their history, maybe family addiction, you know, what are the what are the things that are going on in your life? For me, I had a very supportive spouse and she went with me to all my doctor's appointments and we began to develop a here's a plan of action that we can utilize a small amount of opioids and utilize other things like uh, Lyrica, Gabapentin, mm-hmm. you know, those types of things. Mm-hmm. That, Naproxen. That are, yeah. Yes, that are not as addictive mm-hmm. in nature, mm-hmm. but will help you. Were you afraid? Uh, I know this has happened to other people uh, when I was in recovery groups in the past, and they had been free of opioids for years, and then a surgery was coming up, and they were very afraid uh, that they would get addicted again. Did you have that fear? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. you, you cannot have, I mean, you're, you're cheating yourself if you're saying that there is no fear about getting back on the right. opioids. Right. So, right. you know, and again, each and every person is different. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I, I, I have a pretty good um, thought process and objectives to get me off of the opioids because. Now that I'm, I have a little cleaner mind. Yes. And a very, very supportive spouse. Yes. Um, that also has had that, you know, the worry about me getting 
back on the opioids. Yeah. Uh, worried about the dependency. Now, I know when, when your wife first came in, I used to refer to her sometimes as your accountability partner. Yes. Which can make it really d- tough in a marriage, right? Because as a spouse, we're really supposed to be like a friend and a lover, not necessarily the sponsor. Correct. And I remember talking to her and to you about that uh, back in 2016, about saying to her, I want, you know, once you and I talked more and more about the dependency and you I think you started realizing like okay this counselor thinks I, I ha- I'm addicted to opioids <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah she keeps bringing it up she keeps yeah, you know can't be me I, I'm a but, teacher professor you know I'm uh, you know uh, out there in the community they look up on me yes and, yes you know yes. you have all these different thoughts going into your brain so yes um, and and encouraging you to do detox. I also was saying to your wife, uh, I don't want you to be his accountability partner. I want you know, and I was saying to you, I want you to get your own sponsor, your own you know, opioid narcotics anonymous group. I want you to do you know treatment. And and one of the things you did, you were in counseling with me, but you also did work through my workbook, Good Things Emotional Healing Journal Addiction. Uh, can you let the listeners know if that was helpful at all? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, you had a number of things from your note cards at the at the end of our session. We got to pick out some note cards that were very uh, healing for me as a person. Mm-hmm. To find out that you know, I really was a good person. Absolutely, my mind needed to be uh, set on what I needed to do to get mm-hmm. rid of the opioid addiction mm-hmm. and your. The workbook served as a kind of a roadmap for me and my wife to kind of go work through and uh, answer some questions and being honest about, you know, what was really happening. Mm-hmm. She's been a wonderful support for you. And we also know this. We also know that detox is like the first step to recovery. It's not like the treatment per se for recovery. Like first you go through detox if you have an opioid dependency. Then you have the cognitive behavioral therapy or the counseling. You have uh, a sponsor or an accountability partner that hold, that helps hold you accountable. Some people do the 12 steps groups or the smart recovery group or I know I did women for sobriety group which I I really, really enjoyed. Uh, there's also Celebrate Recovery Groups. There's so many great, actually great recovery groups. And with the COVID happening last year in 2020, a lot of them went online, which didn't help yeah. the epidemic of uh, opioid epidemic because then it's harder to do accountability when you're online, I think, than when you're face-to-face with someone, per se. Um, <clears throat> so we know that's the start of it. But what other things do you think helped keep you sober those years besides just the detox being the first important step in it? Right. Uh, again, you've uh, opened up a real good question. You know, you, you definitely don't need to have your spouse be, you know, your your opioid regulator. That puts a lot of stress upon her. Yes. Or whoever that may be, her yes. or him. Yes. And yes. it's yes. just not good for a marriage. No. And in my situation, what I did is I had a number of different people out in the community good. that knew about my situation. Yeah. I mean, everybody I go around, I talk to them about this addiction and, and being opioid free. and. Good. So I developed a number of different individuals mm-hmm. in different areas mm-hmm. that I could go to or that I saw 
either on a daily or a weekly, uh, you know, spot that mm -hmm. uh, there would be some accountability for me. You know, we don't realize it's affecting our relationships, you know, because we're kind of being self-centered at the time. We're like, why does it bother someone else if I smoke weed? Or why does it bother someone else if I'm, you know, doing opioids? Like, this is my body or drinking or whatever our addiction happens to be, you know. Um, and it's not just substances. People are addicted to food. They're addicted to work. They're addicted sure. to gambling, pornography. I mean, the list goes on and on. Sports, just all kinds of things that distract or medicate them from being present in their life and and building healthy relationships but your wife would probably say maybe and maybe she's told you this what is the difference now when you got off opioids as a partner and and, and then you didn't make her which I encouraged her I don't want you to be his accountability partner I want you to be his wife right so taking that responsibility off her and then you going through detox and becoming sober how did that change the marriage because that was one of your goals is to rebuild the trust absolutely you know and, and we still still deal with that you know, in certain situations where that trust is, you know, there's been so much distrust yeah. in my, excuse me, my past uh, relationship with my wife mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I have to work through that with not only, you know, my uh, thoughts in it, but, you know, you have to begin thinking, how is this affecting, you know, my spouse, right. my children, my, right. you know, people that I deal with. Yes, so, yes. Very, very important um, that you look at that yes. from outside of just your point of view. Yes. One of the boundaries is that she's not doling out my medicine. Right. Medication. Right. So, Good. you know, I'm a big boy. I need to step <laughs> up to the plate and, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's true. part of that relationship that yes. you have as a yeah. husband. Or whatever you you know whatever situation you're in, yeah. your partner or whatever, uh, it's something that really needs to be managed, and yes. and I need to, you know, step up and, yeah. and begin being that person that mm -hmm. I should be. Being accountable for our own behavior, right? Some people call it adulting. Right. And how do we realize we have a problem? In most cases, it's that consequence. I've never heard of anyone yet uh, in recovery, and I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people uh, in recovery, clients and people in, in, in recovery groups, no one has said to me yet, you know what, I just, nothing happened, everything was going great, and I just decided to stop using one day. You know, it usually is the consequence, like you said, the relationship is the consequence, or the health, we have health problems now, or we have issues with losing our jobs, or it affects our finances. It's going to affect one area of our life in a negative way, and then that consequence becomes greater than the reward of using. Correct. Absolutely. And we should let the listeners know so that people, if people are listening today and they don't have an addiction, but they're with a partner or a loved one who has an addiction, and they say, why does this person keep using? You know what? It is a reward. It does affect the reward center of our brain. Whether the reward from using opioids is no more pain and numbing out, or the rewards of alcohol is like numbing out your problems, or you know, releasing dopamine in your brain so you feel a feeling of ple pleasure, and it changes your state of mind. I mean, or gambling, you know, where people win money. It's like you know, or pornography, you know, it stimulates our pleasure center and that's why people keep reusing. They, they like that feeling when they first use and they want, like you said, more and more and more. They say, if a little bit of this gives me this much pleasure, how about more and more and more? And that's where we start going down the road of the slippery slope of addiction, right? And dependency on it. Because then, the, then as we know with the dependency part, there are consequences in our lives. Right. right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So let's let's wrap around, uh, Jack, to the part you we started with uh, about giving the listeners some other options. You and I had talked about this several times when you and I were in counseling. What are some non-opioid treatments for people who are interested in getting off opioids? Of course, hopefully medically, medically supervised is what I would sure. always Absolutely. recommend a hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, so some of the ones you and I talked about were stretching and movement um, and rest and physical therapy and essential oils was one of the ones you brought up and TENS therapy. I remember when you were in counseling with me, we brought up TENS therapy and you tried that. Do you want to tell the listeners anything about that treatment? Yeah, the TENS uh, was another element that, that I put into my regimen to kind of keep my pain level down and and that really worked well with me it was a little tinge unit i don't know what the tin stood for but it's electrical mm-hmm. pulsates that you put to a, a positive and negative on your on your leg or whatever wherever your pain is mm-hmm. and it's electrical stimulation mm-hmm. and it worked great with the addition of uh, the essential oils that we worked on mm-hmm. uh, some of the uh just stretching and, mm-hmm. and things like that that mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. Uh, enabled me to, you know, bring that level of pain down mm-hmm. and get my mind on other items. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I get, uh, you know, how do I lower the opioid use in my life? I know uh, Dr. Mel Pohl was one of the people that I would read his book about. He run he did at the time run a pain clinic up in Nevada and wrote a really good book about it. And I went to some of his um, workshops and seminars. And he was saying movement is is number one key too because then it gets more blood flow and oxygen into those areas that are really painful, like the stretching and the movement. Well, I'm going to be interested in the future, and I don't know if you will be too, Jack. If, because of the opioid epidemic and so many people dying, I wrote this down when I was doing some research about this, 70,630 people died from opioid overdose in 2019. Right? 48,000 deaths in just 12 months from overdosing and opioids in 2020. 40% overdoses were from prescription medications from doctors. And and in in my situation, uh, my pain management doctor... Uh, well, let me back up a minute. First and foremost, my primary surgeon that was doing my knee said, you need to uh, have somebody outside of um, the hospital here that's going, you need a pain management doctor that's going to pick you up after you leave the hospital to kind of keep you going. Yeah. And... Again, that's what I used. I used a pain management company or doctor that knew all about my background. Excellent. And with that in mind, utilized other, you know, uh, activities um, that would eliminate some of that chronic pain. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we would begin up up here at a certain level and then we had goals every time. Okay, next time we're going to go down you know, we're going to try take down mm-hmm. and really have a plan of action. So it is like the responsibility of the person, you know, to tell the doctor that and to say, hey, what other options do you have for me? Because I already went through detox. I already went through treatment. I don't want to get re-addicted to opioids and go through that again. Right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You don't mm-hmm. want to be pulled down into that. It's like a funnel. Yes. You know, you're, you're out here very wide, and then the next thing you know, you're spiraling down yes. in that addiction yeah. again. And yeah. so, you know, yeah. it, it, it's got to start. It, it can't start with the day that you enter the hospital. You've got to do a lot of uh, research. Number one, with your, your pain management doctor, you know, they're going to be on board with, you know, what you what your objectives are mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, what's your doctor, what's your hospital going to do. You know, they all have to know uh, the role that you've been in, and mm-hmm. I try to identify certain things that have, you know, really helped mm-hmm. while I'm in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, essential oils was one of the things that really, for me, made a difference because, you get in that hospital environment, you think, oh, I need a pain pill now, yes. you know, and this and that. Well, if you go into the hospital and you got your room in there and, and um, lots of essential oils being uh, used in the room, yes. you, you kind of go back to that mindset of, oh, this is like home. Yes. This is what we do at home. So, yes. you know, it really keeps you on board of your objectives. I remember your wife bringing that up when she had come into counseling with you. I remember her talking about essential oils at the time. Is there specific ones that help with addiction more that you found help with the opioid um, Um, recovery more than other ones or help with the chronic pain more than other essential oils? Yeah, there's two that I use uh, on a daily basis, well three. Uh, The pain or the uh, peace and calming would be one. Number two is a stress away. And then the third one is the, the deep relief is one that I, that I use. Some of the doctors that we speak of, you know, all they know is, oh, we're going to give you another pill for this, another pill for that. You know, when you get into a situation where you need a doctor, you really need to kind of do a, you know, an interview with that doctor. Yes. You know, what are the things that you use to... Um, Use for pain. Yes. You know, do you have anything outside the standard uh, prescription? Right. So, right. You really need to do that on your own. I think that's a great advice. You know, like kind of like we interview. Uh, Counselors, maybe, to find a good counselor, interview doctors and find out if that pain management doctor uses things other than opioids for chronic pain. That's a super good piece of advice. Absolutely. Absolutely. You yeah. need, your, need to be your own advocate. Yes. Yes. Advocate of, you know, taking care of your body after after the surgery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that has just been a delightful conversation and uh, learning so much. Really good, good information. I really, really appreciate you being willing to share your story with people and your recovery and where your life is today in such a better space. It gives people a lot of hope uh, that you really can come off of opioids. You really can be free from opioid uh, dependency and addiction and continue to have a good marriage and a good relationship with your family. Well, thank you so much, um, and thank you to the listeners as well, and may good things continue to come your way from the couch.
love to gain, you can get it.